school my name is phil lichtenberger and this podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner or radio hobby today we are in session 217 and you can find all of the session notes from today's podcast episode on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 217 or you can just swipe up on your podcast player and that should display the show notes from today's podcast and if you're watching this over on youtube session notes will be right down there in the description of this video and before we start have you checked out our brand new community platform well it's not so brand new anymore but it's still fairly new it's over on discord and you can join the conversation about this podcast or any other scanner radio activity by joining our discord server over at scannerschool.com slash discord so today we are going to make sure that you don't get lost in the weeds today's podcast episode is all about the kiss principle keep it Simple, stupid. Look, where I sit on this side of the microphone, it's a very, I'm not going to glorify it all, but it's a very difficult position to be in. Because if I say something, I could very easily get an army of people that say, I disagree, you are wrong, this guy knows nothing about what he's talking about, right? Because everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a different way of saying how things can get done. And everybody has a different tolerance level for stupidity. (laughs) but look here's the deal right this is my advice right this is my advice when i do the podcast episode some of the stuff may be you may agree on some of the stuff you might disagree on and again i'd love to know what you disagree on because that's something that we can discuss over on discord but there's also a lot of other information out there there's also a lot of noise so to speak when it comes to this hobby now look i'm not saying Everybody else's information is noise. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's a lot of information out there, right? There's a lot of data. There's a lot of stuff to ingest. There's a lot of reading that you can do. And all of this piles on, right? If you're just getting started with the hobby or you've been in a hobby for a very long time and you're trying to learn about something new or you're trying to clean up something you've done, you can get lost in the weeds, right? There's a lot of information out there. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of noise. Think about as if you're listening to a pileup on a radio station, right? Or you get some Intimod. There's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of people who are giving their two cents. You need to filter out basically what is best for you. What a great way to start this conversation out with you guys this week, right? Kind of like, hey, this is me talking, but don't listen to me because I'm just somebody else who's got an opinion and a platform and I'm just noise. But listen, I'm hoping that you can feel your way through this podcast episode. I'm going to explain why I'm starting out this episode this way. This is going to be like one of those off my chest type of podcasts. If you can't tell already, this will be one of those podcast episodes where I just kind of wing it. I vent a little bit, 
but there's going to be also a lot of information to unpack while we go through this podcast episode. This is going to the same feel about the podcast episode I went through, what I want to see in a future flagship model. And I think we're going to have quite a bit more of these podcast episodes. They were very well received. No pun intended with the Scanner Radio Hobby. But, you know, this is another one of those um, doesn't really grind my gears type of deal, but it's a reality check. And that's that's what we're doing right now on the podcast. It's a little bit of a reality check. So, listen. This conversation comes up, and I want to thank Garvin Hicks for this question because he asked this question on our last Ask Scanner School session, which was volume 41. I think that was podcast episode 215. And he was asking about grounding his antenna, and he was seeing a lot of information about grounding. And all of the information out there was kind of leading him down different paths, and he was getting a little bit overwhelmed about what was the correct way to do the grounding, right? It's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to, to, to pull in too much information. This is what we're saying, right? So we're going to dial it back. We're going to take a breath. We're going to understand that this is just a hobby, right? This is all it is. It's a hobby. And sometimes we just have to realize that getting something done good enough for now is good enough for now. When good enough is perfect, okay? That's all we're striving for right now. Right. This is a hobby. I've said that before. I'm going to continue to say it. This is a hobby. We need to give ourselves permission to just do it to the best of our abilities at this time or based on time restrictions because we have to deal with fitting it in after work or a quick weekend project before we take the kids or the family out somewhere or we have a business trip we have to take care of or we have to do the bills. Right. We want to spend maybe an hour or two working on something before we go to bed. There's a, there's a lot of different things that we can find a little bit of time to enjoy the hobby. In other words, Rome was not built in a day, right? We hear that expression all the time. Think about it this way. Sometimes we see online shack photos or videos or tours of other people's stations, right? Many of these have, have taken years to build before they're ready to be displayed and shown pictures of, right? These are people's prides and joys. If you want to know where I am, let me just be completely honest and lay it on the table for you right now. My shack was a temporary setup that I built almost 15 or 16 years ago. And I finally, just in the past year, moved it completely across the basement into the area that it was supposed to be in from day one, Okay. But I didn't build the perfect shack when I moved everything over. No, I had a plumbing emergency. I had to move everything out from where it was. I had to rebuild everything on this side. And all I have hooked up right now, to be honest with you guys, are three scanners. And those three scanners are pretty much only hooked up to the outdoor antenna because I run three live feeds. And those three scanners are what I need to get online immediately so I can continue to feed those live feeds. Now, I do have other scanner radios flying around here. I'm using right now mostly handhelds, and I'm also using software-defined radios to fill in the gaps right now, okay? This is the only limitations. Is this the perfect setup? Hell, heck no, right? This is not the perfect setup. It's not the setup I want. It's not my dream location, which is why whenever you guys see me live right now, there's a sheet behind me because what's behind my shoulder isn't a complete embarrassment. To put it flat out there, it's an embarrassment. It's not what I want to show. Maybe it's what I should show to show you guys that it's not always perfect. This is, you know, not everybody's got the dream setup. It's what we all can strive for, but it's not where everybody is. So, a reality check here is 
you guys probably have a better setup than I do. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Okay. So look, it's a hobby. Let's talk about the hobby side of things for a second before we really get into the meat and potatoes of the week. What have I been doing in the hobby? Because let's be honest with you guys a little bit more. I work a nine to five. You guys know I run East Coast Pagers, which takes up even more time. And I also do the podcasting stuff. It's very easy for me to forget that this is a hobby sometimes because I'm always under pressure to do the next thing, right? There's that certain point where you better watch out what you're passionate about when you start to work for it because sometimes it can just start to become work. And I've realized that a little bit. And the last two weeks, I've kind of taken a step back and I've given myself permission, just as you should give yourself permission, to remember this is just a hobby and we should enjoy it. And maybe if we have to take 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes just to sit back and do something that makes you enjoy the hobby again, maybe you should do it. So what have I been doing this week alone to enjoy the hobby again? Well, one of the things that's been on my plate that I have not gotten to is to tune up my ham radio MMDVM hotspot. Basically, what an MMDVM DVM hotspot is, it's a, it's a little Raspberry Pi device with a transmitter on it. And it's a hotspot, which allows me to use my portable DMR, D-Star, Yesu Fusion, NXDN, which I don't have, or a P25, again, which I don't have, radio, and use it as if I was using somebody else's repeater. So I'm technically still using RF because I'm transmitting over the air from my radio. But instead of going to a repeater, I'm going over to my hotspot. The hotspot then takes all that data and sends it out to the internet to the talk group that I am talking on or the chat group or reflector that I am on. But you can also use it to listen, right? The problem is with digital is that you have to have everything set up correctly. Well, my stuff was never set up correctly. I got it secondhand, so I didn't have any of the, any of the configurations for it. So I spent about an hour Friday night after a meeting, and I opened up a YouTube video, and I educated myself on how to use an SDR to tune up my MMDVM hotspot. Taking what I learned from that video, I now tuned my hotspot. I set the deviation on it, and it is working much, much better. Is it perfect? No. And I don't know if it's the radio I'm using or if it's the hotspot itself, but sometimes I do get some some errors on it. But I was able to sit back Friday night when I was done and listen to a station in Serbia talking to a station in Tokyo, Japan, all from my handheld radio that was listening to my hotspot. Really made me miss HF, to be honest with you. So now I've got that itch that I want to get back on HF again. So that's tying into everything here. I also sat back and said, well, I've got my new weather station up and running, and I really want to send data to the Civilian Weather Observation Program, or CWOP. But I want to do it under my amateur radio call sign, which meant I needed to be on the APRS internet server. And APRS is an amateur radio platform. It's I think it's advanced packet reporting system or amateur packet reporting or something like that. But it allows you to send telemetry data and position data to other amateur operators and we can plot it on a map and it's kind of like LRRP but for amateur radio. Positioning data, right? So I needed to make sure my weather station was on the APRSIS server before I applied for CWOP. 
and it was an it was an issue for me to get to that point. So I finally downloaded YAAC, which is yet another APRS console or program or something like that. Free piece of software runs on Java. I set it up, ran through a couple of help docs, set up my Davis Weather Station to set up a WeatherNow file, which is now being pulled by YAAC, which now goes out through the APRS IS, which I can now see on Find You, which means I can now apply for my CWOP credentials so I can start sending data out to CWOP. Once that all happens, I can get take out YAAC and I'm, I'll send it directly to the server that way. So there's a lot of stuff going on behind there. And I'm pretty sure that I started digging into things now that memory is starting to joggle a bit that I might be able to just set up my Davis weather link to do that. And if you know how to do that, let me know because I would love to just be able to send it directly to the to uh, APRS IS without having to use YAAC because I'm not really beaconing that transmission stuff over the air. So anyway, that was my permission to myself to sit back, relax, and enjoy the hobby as a hobby as opposed to like really treating it as a business. So that moved the needle, right? That's the moral of the story here. I moved the needle a little bit in the right direction. It's not perfect. It's not the final outcome of everything. Yeah, I was up till 1.30 on Friday night, and I'm still paying for it on a Sunday that I stayed up late to do this, but it gave me that dopamine hit. It gave me permission to do something, and it allowed me to enjoy the hobby. So listen, let's enjoy the hobby, right? Let's talk about things that we can keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> We're going to apply the KISS principle to everything we talk about in today's podcast episode. In other words, when good enough is just good enough for now, when good enough can be perfect. Now, before we get any further in this week's podcast, I want to take a few minutes to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is an affordable way for you to support the podcast and our upcoming expansion into YouTube for 2022. So think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly donation, not only do you help support the podcast, but depending on your donation tier, you will receive certain benefits. The most popular benefit tier being our $5 a month or the $51 a year tier. It's the same tier. We just discount if you can pay us over a year. Now, this tier offers the podcast and YouTube videos early, and also you receive a free squelchy pack of stickers, several discounts, and access to our monthly live scanner radio roundtable discussion we hold monthly on Zoom. Oh, and by the way, most of the Patreon levels also get a special version of the podcast that does not include the middle advertising break in each episode. Now, find out more about Patreon and our supporting tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. I'd also like to take a moment here and thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill K, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C, Danny Crowdy, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, James Broxton, James Felling, James Peruta, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B, Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe Kordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Mike Lopez, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Paul Seish, Randy Cummings, Randy Lee Wright, Raymond Hill, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgren, Tim Mazza, Ted Glendie, and William Arcan. All right, so let's talk about grounding because that's the question that kind of brought this all 
to the forefront here, right? So Garvin was asking about grounding his antenna, and he was getting overwhelmed by the fact that he was reading on all these amateur radio boards that you have to bind your grounds and, or bond your grounds, and you have to tie it to your your electrical panel ground, and you've got to tie it to a cold water pipe, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. Look, if you're going to put up an antenna, at a bare minimum, what I would recommend doing is just sinking a ground rod and running a ground from the ground rod to the to the mast of the antenna. See what the instructions say for your antenna, okay? Nine times out of 10, or maybe five times out of 10, <laughs> I don't know where you want to put it, but that's good enough. Your antenna's grounded, okay? It's not grounded to the rest of your house. You don't have a reference earth, basically, but we're not dealing with HF here. It's VHF, UHF when it comes to scanning, okay? Just get it grounded. He added a coax ground. That's one step above and beyond basic grounding here, okay? So you have to remember, right? You can always go back and ground things after you put the antenna up. I have antennas up that should be grounded that haven't been grounded. And yeah, I am embarrassed to admit that. I did sink the ground rod though. I just have to run the line. It's part of these projects that kind of just keep adding and adding up. But in the meantime, though, I've got the antenna up. I can still use it. It's probably not great, but it can get there. Okay? It's all part of the hobby. I spent what I could at the time doing it. I'm enjoying the fruits of my labor, and I will go out there to continue to fertilize what I've done so that it can produce more fruit, better fruit, so that I can enjoy it even more. Okay? What if you can't ground your antenna? What if what if that's not an option for you? Well, a simple solution is to unplug your coax when you're not using it. A lot of people put it in a baby jar or a glass jar because glass is a great insulator. I mean, your coax end, let me fill that blank in there for you. When you disconnect the coax from the back of your radio, you put that free-hanging piece of coax into a glass jar, a mason jar, whatever it is that you have so that it's isolated. Look, truth be told here, if your neighbor's house is going to get hit by lightning, if the system outside gets hit, or if your house gets hit by lightning, no matter how much grounding you've done, you're going to have equipment that's destroyed, whether it be your refrigerator, your toaster, your air conditioner, your computer, or your two-way radio equipment, or your receivers, right? Something is going to fry. And even if it powers on, you may find out the receivers are gone, right? You may not be able to stop lightning, but... It also depends where you live too, right? Florida's got a lot more lightning than I do here in New York. It's just the nature of where you live and the climate and everything else, right? Just like people that live in, say, Minnesota, upstate New York, right? New England, maybe, have to worry about snow loading on their antennas or their towers. But people in Florida don't have to worry about that, Okay. Well, they hopefully don't have to worry about that. So again, what's good enough for you may be great for somebody else. It depends too on your standards, right? Let's talk about something else here. Let's talk about splitters. How do I split my antenna coming in and getting it to multiple different scanners? We've talked about this on a podcast before. Again, the seat that I sit in, I have to tell you the best way to do it, the way I would do it the best, the way I've done it may or may not be the best way. It may not be even be affordable to you, okay? Look, 
The best solution, I'm going to say it again, is an active multi-coupler. Not everybody has $300, $350 to spend on an A-port multi-coupler. It's expensive. I'll admit that. And not only do I need one, but I need a second one now. And I probably need a third one, to be honest. What's not so great? Cable TV splitters. Y splitters. T connectors. But you want to know something? I've used them because it's what I needed at the time. And I upgraded into a multi-coupler. Why is a TV splitter not so great? Well, TV splitter is not so great because you take a loss on every port. A Y splitter is not so great because you can change the impedance. You can actually get the scanners to talk to each other. One can go deaf. One could get uh, when one stops receiving capacitor, the other one. But if it works and it's good enough, is it really just good enough? Hey, my SDRs, my $35 SDRs, I have a couple of them on Y splitters because they seem to be okay on it. Is it the best way to do it? Absolutely not. But it's a $35 receiver, and I'll take that hit as long as it works good enough for what I need it to work for. There's no need, in my mind, to dedicate four or five multi-coupler ports for each SDR, basically, if I can just pull out one multi-coupler port. Maybe I put out one multi-coupler port, and I buy a passive multi-coupler, which has loss on it, and I could probably probably do that if I had to. But for right now, just to get it set up and working, I could always graduate into that kind of setup. But for right now, this seems to be working. And it's working well enough for me to enjoy what it is I'm doing. Let's talk coax. Why not, right? I mean, it's all part of the antenna system. Yes. What do I say when it comes to coax? We should use LMR 400 because it's the best. LMR 400 is a low loss 50 ohm coax cable. It works really well on high frequencies. You know what else works really well in high frequencies that doesn't have 50 ohms of loss of, of impedance on it, though? That's cheap, and you can find it at the corner of a hardware store, RG6. RG6 will get you up and running at a fraction of the price of LMR400. It's got 75 ohms of impedance on it, so it's not great. I wouldn't transmit through it. You could receive through it. But you want to know something? If it gets your station up and running, I'll give you a pass on it. And so will plenty of other people. Because I've used it. I'm still using it on some antennas. And in fact, when I had to move my station across the basement, what did I do? I grabbed a spool of RG6 and threw BNC connectors on both ends of it. And that's what I am also using in my shack right now. Because it was what I needed and could grab at the time to use. Am I going to pull that out and put LMR400 in it? You betcha. But it's not something I could do at the time. So it is the best for what the time was. It was good enough to be perfect at that time. And it's good enough to be perfect for right now until I can get the paneling down and I can get LMR 400 behind the wall here in the basement. Before we jump into a break, I want to touch on antennas because this is another crazy one here. Let's look at it this way. If you're already getting a good signal on your scanner, and if all you listen to is, say, the local fire department or the local trunk radio system, and you're already getting full signal, what we call DFQ or S9 or whatever it is you want to say it is, right? Your, your meter is pegged. Your signal is good enough to decode and to listen to, and you don't have any type of noise or hiss or static on the signal. No packet drops if it's a P25 or DMR or digital system, right? If your signal is good enough, putting out an outdoor antenna may not make it any better. 
because you're already at full saturation on your scanner receiver, right? Now, if you're a DXer or you want to listen to simplex channels, FireGround, signals from a state away, a county away, across town, whatever it is, and you can't pick up on your handheld or you can't pick up in the basement, yeah, then you graduate into a external antenna, right? That's when it's okay to do it. But you have every single bit of permission not to use an outdoor antenna, even though we talk about putting them up here, and most people do. But the way we're using our scanners is changing with technology because many of these trunk radio systems are built for 97% or better or equivalent portable use by public safety, which means if a radio can hear it at 97% of the geographical coverage area, Chances are very good you can hear it with a portable or a set-top antenna where you are as well. And if all you need to listen to is your local trunk system, you may not even need an outdoor antenna. So here's a little story for you again since we're going on it. Let's put everything to a nice little bow before we go into a break. Again, when I first moved into the house here, I had to set something up. I set up a temporary station which lasted about 15, 16 so years, right? I put a discone antenna on the floor on my attic. It's resting on the radials. I ran RG6 down next to the vent pipe for the plumbing because there's a void in the wall that I could easily have I snaked the coax through, which is what I did. It went down from the attic, past the first floor. I live in a ranch, down into the basement. I was able to fish it and run it over to where my scanners were set up. At the time, that was good enough. That got my antenna out of my basement and higher. Then eventually, oh wait, hold on, before we get to the eventually, that antenna that was in my attic run by Cat 5 or, or RG6 cable went to a TV splitter, a cable TV splitter, which means I had about 6 dB loss on every port, more or less, right? And then I ran RG6 to the back of the scanners. I put a BNC adapter on the back of those pigtails, and there we go. I had my station set up. That was good enough to get me listening to my county and my neighboring county. Eventually, I put up an outdoor antenna. Eventually, I put up and replaced that outdoor antenna. It's got to be replaced again because I don't like it, which leads me down to that too. How long have I been saying I don't like my ferret antenna that's on the roof and I have to swap it out this spring or summer for a discone? I've been saying that since the podcast started, I think. So listen, you'll get there if you're not there already, right? Don't worry about it. If it works well for you, stick to it. Build upon it. For those of you who are not Patreon supporters at the $3 a month level, just stick right through this. This will be a small break to help pay the bills. Anybody else who's a Patreon supporter at the $3 more level, we'll talk to you in just two seconds. Hey, guys, we'll be right back. I got some more to get off my chest right after this break. Hey, did you realize it takes us almost $100 a week just to have this podcast episode professionally edited and sent over to you? This doesn't even include website and podcast hosting, administrative help, and other monthly subscriptions that are required to put the podcast out there. Now, you can help us offset these costs when you shop online. So if you're looking for a scanner radio or some software looking to bid on items over on eBay, or if you're looking to purchase anything, and I mean anything, on Amazon, you can help support Scanner School in the process, and this doesn't come at any extra cost to you. 
So please check out scannerschool.com slash support for the multiple different ways that we have out there that you can help support us when you shop online. Again, scannerschool.com slash support. Are you looking to learn more about the scanner radio hobby? We currently have courses on how to get started and up and running with software-defined radios and how to turn your SDR into a fully functioning scanner radio. With free software, you can see more and do more with trunking than ever before. And with new courses scheduled for the upcoming months, our offerings will be expanding into both Uniden and Whistler hardware and software. Check out our courses at courses.scannerschool.com or by looking for the link in this podcast description. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues, too. Visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issue and sign up today. Did you know that a pager can make a great addition to your scanner radio collection. And even if I didn't own East Coast pagers, I still have one or maybe a couple of pagers as a part of my scanner radio setup. This is because a pager can be used to just monitor your local fire department or your regional departments. And if you set it up correctly to alert you when the tones are sent over the air, then the pager will remain silent until you need to know what is going on. This frees up your scanner to monitor everything else that's going on beside your local stuff or can prevent you from missing the local stuff because your scanner is busy doing other things. Now, pagers aren't just limited to fire dispatches anymore. Unication has great solutions to monitor both analog and P25 paging systems where many public safety and police departments are switching over to. Swiss Home and Apollo make great analog solutions as well, and all three still sell Pogsack and Flex pagers, still in use by many departments for text alerting. East Coast Pagers is an Apollo, Swiss Phone, and Unication dealer serving the North American market, and of course is one of my online companies. So if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, contact us for a free quote and let us know you're a Scanner School listener for something a little extra with your order. For our full inventory, or request a quote, or just to contact us, please visit eastcoastpagers.com. All right, guys, we'll wrap this up. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be a sourpuss or anything like that, but I'm trying to get the point across to you, right? That don't be overwhelmed by this. It's a hobby. It's a hobby. It's a hobby. It's a hobby. I'm going to keep saying that. Okay. Let's talk about scanless for a second, right? Let's just pretend that we got a brand new radio or we're overwhelmed by what the recurrent radio does. And we know we need to listen to all these different things on our scanner. We want to listen to all these different things on our scanner. Look, scan lists don't need to be perfect right out of the gate. I help plenty of people set up their scanner radios and they start off, I want this, I don't want this, I want this, I want that, I want this. That's all good and fine. But let's just put something in so we can listen to it and we can clean it up a little bit later, right? I actually just helped somebody out earlier or late last month. I forget now where we sit on the calendar. But uh, he had a BCT996P2 that he bought. He bought the software. He could never get it set up, and it was collecting dust. And he hired me for a tutoring session. And uh, within 30 minutes, he had activity on his scanner. 
the first time that that scanner broke squelch and he heard a transmission on there, I could see his smile across the camera. And you can tell he was all of a sudden, he, he, that fire was lit underneath him. He, I can use my scanner, right? I've actually had touring calls where I had somebody go outside because they couldn't get reception inside. And when the door opened, I can hear him screaming, you know, woohoo, you know, it works. I can't believe it finally works. I can hear something on it. I love helping people because of that reason. I love having scanner school because I'm able to help people do that. So when you set up your scan list, they don't need to be perfect is what I'm getting at here. Put something in the scanner. Use a small list. Learn how the scanner works. If you're going to go nuts, you're going to put everything in there, right? Maybe you're going to get lost again. So when I'm setting up a new scanner for the very first time and I want to test out something, I'll put in a system and a site and a wild card just to see if I can hear anything on the trunk system. This way, at least I know that that is set up properly. Once I know that I've got the trunk system receiving and I can follow a system, then you can start adding talk groups, okay? Build upon it. Just as an example, okay? That, that's I'm not saying it's the way you have to do it, but that's an example. That's the way I used to do it to understand a new radio I got. See what adding or assigning quick keys or scan lists, if you're a unit or a whistler guy, right? See how it affects how your scanner works. Add colors, add beeps, add alerts. Make, this, you know, make the lists larger or smaller, tweak them. And we're going to talk about more about scanless on an upcoming podcast episode because that's something I actually wanted to talk to before I got to this one, but this one has just been on my mind. This podcast topic has been on my mind all week, and I just want to get this one out. But, you know, at the very end, we could put icing on the cake. We could start adding radio IDs or unit IDs and defining those so we know which radio is talking when we look at a trunk radio system, right? We can keep building and keep building and keep building upon things. So your scan lists don't need to be perfect. And in fact, I still tweak my scan list because again, I, maybe I want to add this, take this out or change that or make one big list. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself here. We'll talk about this in another episode coming up. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. So let's talk about scanners. Do you need top of the line? Well, maybe you do if you need to do simulcast, but maybe you don't. Maybe you need P25. Maybe you need DMR. Maybe you need NXDN. Maybe you just need analog. Maybe if you're not using an outdoor antenna, you don't need to worry about simulcast because you can isolate your scanner so simulcast isn't an issue. Do you need multiple scanners? Look, we all start with one thing, right? We dip our toes into the water. Nobody goes in there and buys 10 radios at once and sets them all up and gets a banging station out of the box, right? We grow. It's a hobby, right? We add to things. We might Maybe we buy radios and we sell radios. I know I've sold radios I've regretted selling. I bought them back again. So not really a great investment opportunity here, right? Buy a radio brand new. Sell it as used. Buy another one that's used. Maybe you buy it back used for less than what you sold it for used, and you actually make money in the deal. Well, not make money, but ended up buying the radio for less, right? So here's the deal, right? We buy one radio. We start with one radio. We figure out its limitations or our limitations. Then we upgrade. Then we upgrade again. Then we fill in the gaps. Maybe we only buy desktop units and now we want a portable. Maybe we only buy portables and then we want a desktop, right? Maybe you buy one radio and leave it on one local department. Maybe you buy a pager so you can listen to that one local department and have it alert you that a call is coming across or, or records it so you can listen to it in the morning, right? At this point, now we have a collection. And then we need to admit we have a problem. <laughs> that's, how it, that's how it breaks down, right? So the point with this one is, right, you, you see all these photos of people with multiple desktop scanners and multiple scanners over in a corner, right? Because it's progression. 
you use a radio and then maybe you like me and you hoard radios. Maybe you don't want to let them go because they have a little bit of sentimental value to you. Maybe you just, you don't want to sell it because you just like it too much, right? It's one of these things that you start playing around with it with a hobby, right? It's again, it's okay to say, oh, I just bought this radio and it doesn't quite do what I need to do. Learn what it can do. Learn what you can do with it, right? Maybe you have to send it back because if all you want to do is listen to the fire department or the police department and you need P25, then yeah, maybe you need to return what you bought and buy what you need, correctly what you need. But then that becomes radio number one. Or maybe you learned that you didn't like this one radio. I mean, I know somebody that went the whole route of the United Home Patrol platform. Loved the Home Patrol. Home Patrol 1, Home Patrol 2. Home Patrol 2. Couldn't wrap his head around the 436, 536, or SDS line. Ended up going over to Whistler. Loved TRX-1s and TRX-2s and eventually started selling his TRX, TRX-2s to go to something different. It's a hobby, right? It doesn't hurt to invest in something and then sell it back and then buy something new and, and play around with hardware and a lot of stuff too, right? We all eventually get there. And if one radio is good enough for you, then by all means, stick with the one radio. Nobody says we need to have a collection, right? It's not a sign of I'm better than you because I've got 20 radios I don't listen to. No, it's it, it works differently for different people. I like having different radios. I like learning how they all work. I like understanding the differences, the ins and outs of each product line. I do have my favorites, right? I do have a manufacturer I do lean towards, but I have my own reasons for that. And if the other manufacturer didn't do that one little thing that bothered me at the time, I probably would have gone the other way. It's like Nikon versus Canon, right? Ford versus Chevy. I went Canon when I was started doing photography because the 20D came out. And it was a little bit more affordable, and I didn't have any lenses or glass at the time. So for me to get into the photography hobby, I would have been, I was better off personally, I felt, going for Canon. Now, if I had Nikon glass, or if Nikon's DSLR at the time was maybe $200 cheaper, I might have ended up on the Nikon side of the house. But I didn't. But now I'm invested in Canon. In fact, my newest camera right here is a Canon mirrorless camera, but I could have easily gone Nikon or I could have gone Sony or I could have gone somebody else because I don't have any lenses for my Canon gear that would actually fit on this body anyway. So what I'm saying is you can have multiple things. You can grow into it. You can learn and evolve as you go through the hobby and as you learn what it is you need, right? You're not maybe you're not gonna buy the best thing out of the box because it's too much money for you, but you can find something else that will fit the bill. And then maybe when things go on the used market or they drop in price, then at that point you'll be able to afford it. Or you can sell what you have now or trade up, right? Maybe you have two things that's in your scanner radio pile that maybe somebody wants to trade and they'll they'll take that plus cash to get you to where you need to be, right? So let's talk about one more thing before we wrap things up here. Software-defined radios, because I know this is a hot topic, obviously, because I'm making a course about it, but I know a lot of people are trying to dip their toes in the SDR hobby and maybe a little worried or can't understand it or feeling very overwhelmed about it, and I get it. That's why I made a free course on it, but you got to start somewhere. You got to 
you got to figure it out, right? You've got to buy one piece of hardware, get some software, and learn how it works. Then once you get started with software, then you can figure out what bands which you want to listen to. I mean, you can buy software-defined radios that let you do HF, sideband, AM, FM. You could track planes, planes, trains, and automobiles, <laughs> and railroads, and boats. You can download weather data from satellites. You can see key fobs and tire pressure sensors and all this other stuff that's happening around us. I've got a course to get you started with it. I've got a course to keep you going with it, right? So if you do need help getting there, I'll get you. I'll get you going. But remember, it's a hobby. You're always learning, right? You've got to start somewhere and you've got to take the time to invest in. You've got to give yourself the permission to say, hey, tonight after dinner, I'm going to just spend 10 minutes just tinkering around with this because it's something that I, I just want to do, right? Have fun with it. Learn as you go. Take advice. Ask questions. Enjoy the process. That's why Scanner School was born, right? That's why I started this little project, which is now a much multi-year project here, right? I wanted to help people get through what was holding them back in the scanner radio world. I want to make sure, too, you guys know where to reach me at, right? You can leave me a voicemail by dialing 516-308-2885 or by leaving a voice message over on our SpeakPipe link, which is over at scannerschool.com slash ask. You can ask me your questions for an upcoming podcast episode. You can follow us on the first Tuesday of every month. We're live on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. If I can get a 1,000 TikTok followers, I'm sure I'll be over there live as well. I'm also available for tutoring at a very reasonable hourly rate. And we do this over Zoom, so we can do a screen share. And I give you a copy of the recording so you can go back to it and you can see it and follow along a second or a third time so you're not lost after we walk out of our session, okay? There's things that we we do in the hobby. There's things that we need to learn that's gonna work for us and not work for us, right? So before we go, let me wrap up with what it is that I have set up on my end so you can understand how I am playing around with things because now you know that my setup isn't where I want to be. It's an embarrassment. It's um, hidden behind the curtain that you see when you do live because of the way it looks. It was temporary, and now it's temporary again until I get a shelf built this summer, right, and set everything up the way I want to set it up. And if I only have three scanners hooked up, then what am I listening to? Again, I'm listening to what I can on the handheld but I'm enjoying software-defined radios. That part of the hobby is gra is grabbing me because I can see so much that's going on that you can't get from a scanner. See, I am one of those people that likes to watch trunk radio systems, and I like to map them out, and I like to know every single radio idea is out there, and I like to label them and see what other talk groups they might be going on to and see who's associating with. And I like the fact that when somebody says, hey, Unit 10, go to Channel 2, and you see Unit 10 go to Channel 2, but you see four or five other nosy little Nellies out there that are also going to that same talk group to hear what they want to talk about, I can see that from what I'm sitting and watching on my software-defined radio. It's funny, right? It's like, oh, here come all the nosy, you know, the nosy Nellies. And then after that little conversation, they'll go back to their dispatch channel. It's a lot of stuff we can do in the hobby. It's a very exciting time. Don't let things overwhelm you. Keep it simple. That was a long podcast episode, but we just got to get there, right? We just have to understand that a little bit can go a long way. I can't think of any more, <laughs> any more stupid little terms like that. What, what are they called? Somebody's screaming at their, uh, their podcast player right now trying to tell me what, what those are. But uh, listen, 
It's a hobby. Enjoy it. So if you know somebody that needs to hear this message, please forward the podcast episode to them. Because again, that's how I can help more people is when I ask you to share more, right? If you are on that Tiki Talk, I know I've said a few times, do me a favor. Can you please follow me over there? I'm at Scanner School. I'm also at Scanner School over on Instagram and YouTube where I've been sharing some of the shorts over there as well. Twitter is different. So your best bet is to go to scannerschool.com slash Twitter to take you over there because somebody already had the name, believe it or not. And of course, I can't get it even though I already have the brand. So we will talk next week. We got a really great podcast already in queue, already lined up. I want to thank you all for sticking around. And I would love to know what you think about today's podcast episode. Should I do more podcasts like this where I get a little bit off of my chest and we kind of have a little bit of a not so formal discussion about something in the scanner radio hobby? Drop me a note. Leave me a comment on the website. Tweet me. Leave a comment over in the Discord server. Let me know what you think about this. Or if you're listening to this over on YouTube, again, comment in the description and I'll make sure I reply back to you. We'll catch you all again next week. Again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger. My amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. And this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. 73.